All right, thank you for downloading the Cruise Control Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. This is Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The U and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. And this is the Cruise Control Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and blogtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Randy Cruz. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y-J-C-R-U-Z. I'm joined by Aaron Couch, the editor at People Magazine. Going to be talking some superhero stuff here today. Aaron, what's up, my man? How you doing? Hey. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm great. How are you doing? No, I'm, I'm doing good, man. Always great to have you on. We always talk some oh, great yeah. superhero shows and movies and stuff like that, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I love uh, hearing your thoughts on this stuff, too. It's always fun for me. So, the last time I had you on, I think it was in the summertime around July, you were you were with The Hollywood Reporter. You're now with People Magazine. Let's talk about that transition. How was it for you? Yeah, it was... Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I've been Los Angeles still, which is where I was with The Hollywood Reporter, and moved over to People in late August, and uh, yeah, it was. It's been a. It's been a lot of fun. It's definitely, um, you know, I think for anybody, it's tough to start a new job just because you don't know how to do stuff, you know, the way they do it. But I finally feel like I kind of know what's going on, and uh, so I'm feeling good now. It, but it, yeah, uh, people is definitely, you know, they do a little bit more celebrity stuff while Hollywood reporters a little bit more of uh, the business behind, you know, um, entertainment. So that, that's a little different. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. So like I said, we had you on back in July. We're in the middle of October, so there's plenty to talk about. So we're just trying to catch up on uh, what's been going on from July and October. Um, so I'll start off with this. Ant-Man, the movie came out in mid-July. I saw it. I liked it. I thought it was better than what I... Um, had expected it to be. What was your reaction to to Ant Man? Yeah, that, I, I'm kind of on the same boat. You know, I uh, I thought, you know, he's not necessarily anybody's favorite character, but uh, you know, some of the there's some real good, really good surprises in there. The big surprise for me was I was really happy that Michael Douglas was in it as much as he was. I thought maybe he'd just be the, like, you know, kind of a very cameo type. Right. Here's the old guy. He gets you the stupid. He was, like, kicking ass. He was, he was awesome. Um, and so now I'm pretty pumped for the idea that they're going to do a sequel, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which, again, that title intrigues me cause, because, you know, it tells you that we're going to get more uh, more Wasp as well, which is going to be cool. <laughs> now, did, did Ant-Man... Did it reach people's expectations for what you were hearing and seeing on, on, online and social media? Did it reach your expectations? Yeah, I think so. I think that I think that people had kind of lower expectations actually, and so I think it may have. It definitely exceeded, I think, most people's expectations. I didn't see a whole lot of people going, 
oh, I thought this was going to be the best movie ever, and it was, and I think I saw people going, hey, that was, I didn't think it was going to be that good, but it was actually pretty good. Um, conversely, you know, I think a few months earlier, Age of Ultron came out, and I <laughs> and many other people thought this was going to be the best movie of all time, and then maybe we were a little bit disappointed, you know. So, so Ant-Man was definitely, I think, expectations-wise, it messed it. Now, as you mentioned earlier, Marvel, they announced recently that uh, Ant-Man sequel will be for 2018 called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Instead of, instead of just calling it Ant-Man 2, um, it, it does push back Black Panther and Captain Marvel. So what are your thoughts on um, Ant-Man 2 coming out and the, the fact that Black Panther and, and Captain Marvel has to be pushed back for Ant-Man 2? Well, well, you know, it's funny because when Marvel Studios got the rights to do uh, a Spider-Man movie, the, those movies got pushed back. And, you know, for Spider-Man, I say, well, okay, it's Spider-Man. You, you should push everything back for that. I don't care what it is. And I don't know if Ant-Man necessarily, need, you know, it rises to that level of let's delay the first, you know, uh, female-driven and, Af- you know, uh, uh, minority-driven movie. But I think they're only pushing them back a few months, if I'm not mistaken. So at the end of the day, it's not the... Uh, the biggest deal in the world, but I, I don't know. I mean, Ant-Man 2, to me, is probably... I'm less excited for those than, than Black Panther or Captain Marvel, just because those would be, like, something really different, you know? Now, so, it, what's kind of your take on that? Um, I mean, I... I don't mind seeing Ant-Man 2, um, just because uh, just because of how Ant-Man 1 um, was portrayed. I Like I said, I, I saw it, and I went in there into the movie theater like, man, I, I just hope that it's, you know, pretty fun, you know, entertaining, and not like, you know, Guardians type of, of entertaining. But when I left the movie theater, I was like, you know what? Ant-Man wasn't that bad. It was... It, it yeah. was funny. I, I like Michael Douglas portrayal in there. He, like you said, he wasn't just a cameo, and for the most part, it was a, it was a pretty good film. So now, when I heard that they were making a, a part two, um, I wasn't like jumping for joy uh, about it, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> part one was was good, and I, I I assume part two would be as good, if not even better. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so now in August. Um, we had this movie called Fantastic Four. Um, mm. Yeah, it it wasn't very good. <laughs> it wasn't very good, um, in my opinion. I, I don't know about yours. I'm gonna find it out in a second. But um, from the reviews and what people and from what people thought about it and from, and from what I was reading, it, it wasn't very good. A lot of people did not like it. Um, why did Fantastic Four flop the way that it did? You know, it, from we, we started getting reports early on, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with this movie. You know, dirt, while it was in production, there were reports of, you know, maybe director Josh Trank not being erratic on set and, and all sorts of things. But I was still hopeful because I, I love Josh Trank. I thought Chronicle was, his first movie, Chronicle was great. I love the cast. Uh, and I love the Fantastic Four, actually. I think in the comics, they got some of the best stuff. Um, but as far as why it didn't work, I don't know. I mean, it, it just, I, I think that most people, I felt that, that it was like half a movie, you know, they, 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 the movie ends basically where most movies plot wise, that would be kind of halfway through or something like it really doesn't even feel like it was an entire movie. And I don't know why that, you know, what the, what the heck happened there, but 
it was horrible. It was one of the worst, you know, probably the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. I mean, there are a couple I haven't seen. I didn't see Catwoman or Electra, but of the ones I've seen, which is a lot, I really can't think of one that was less entertaining, you know, not include Batman and Robin, which at least was kind of funny, you know. Now, listen, if, if, if for anyone to say Fantastic Four was worse than Batman and Robin, and we all know how we feel about that movie, if anybody <laughs> says Fantastic Four is worse than that, then you then you just know how terrible that movie was. Yeah, it's just not entertaining. <laughs> now, do you think Fantastic Four would have a sequel or an absolute another reboot to try to salvage that franchise? Well, you know, um, in an interview with uh, the Hollywood Reporter, Simon Kinberg, who, who's great, he uh, he wrote Days of Future Past, and uh, he was, you know, I think he wrote uh, Fantastic Four and was a producer on it. Um, he kind of talked about what happened and what's the future, and he kind of was saying, you know, I, I think it's I think it's very unlikely there'll be a sequel, but he was saying I think there's a good movie with this cast because it's a great cast. So I mean, he was almost kind of leaving the door open for maybe there will be a sequel, but. Uh, I just think they have to scrap it. Kind of like, I mean, if you look at how Green Lantern in 2011 with Ryan Reynolds was not even nearly half as bad as that, and that they had to, they have to totally kill that franchise, and they're they're starting over with a different actor, you know, and they're waiting like nine years. So I feel like it's going to be the same thing that we had last time, where Fantastic Four goes away for a while, and then they try again. I mean, I would love it if they did a Spider-Man deal where Fantastic Four got to be part of the Marvel Universe, but I don't know if they're that desperate because they have, you know, Fox still has their X-Men franchise, which is very successful and making lots of money. So I don't know if they're really hurting in the way that they have to have, um, you know, if they need to really give up Fantastic Four. We are, we are on the Cruise Control Podcast with Aaron Couch of People Magazine. He's on Twitter at Aaron Couch. Now, for those who have not seen it, I know me and you have, um, Daredevil on Netflix um, by Marvel is, is absolutely phenomenal, great, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Season 2 will be on Netflix um, next year in 2016. How would you describe the Daredevil show for those who have not seen it? It's basically the feel of a, just imagine what a superhero show would be if it were a gritty cable show, you know, where they could do, you know, more intelligent storytelling, more violence, um, slower paced at some point, but in a good way. Um, I just think, I I honestly feel sorry for other superhero shows. As much as I love Arrow and stuff like that, I mean, this one, just because it's, of what they're able to do on Netflix it makes Arrow look kind of childish, you know. This is definitely just, I would just describe it as a superhero show for adults, and I, I think it's the best, you know, it's my favorite of all time as far as superhero shows. I just think it's phenomenal. Now, is it is it hard or difficult to compare a show like Daredevil, which is on Netflix, or like a cable television type show, and compare it to an Arrow, Flash, and Gotham, where they, they're only getting you know, 40, 42 minutes commercial breaks in their, oh, in their yeah. program. Absolutely. It, it's not really fair to compare because not only that, um, you know, those shows have to do like 23 episodes a year. And that's just 
uh, I think even the creators of those shows would say that that's a challenge. That's really hard. Um, you know, I talked to um, Mark Guggenheim, who's uh, an executive producer on Arrow, and his wife, Tara Butters, who's a showrunner of Agent Carter, and I was asking them about this because Agent Carter is only eight episodes, while Arrow is 23 episodes. And I asked, you know, I asked Mark, are you jealous of your wife for having to do so few? And he was, because he admitted it's super hard to do 23. And, you know, I, I think for anybody, that's just a, any show, that's going to be a stretch. So if you have fewer episodes, you already have an advantage, because you don't have to produce nearly as much, you know. Right now, we are if I'm not mistaken, two weeks into the the new seasons of Flash and Arrow. Um, Flash is in season two. Arrow is in season four. What's your early sense on the current seasons of Flash and Arrow? So I, you know, I, I, I haven't done my homework. I'm bad here because um, I actually haven't watched Arrow yet. I've watched- ah, come on, Aaron. <laughs> I know. Here, here's the deal. For, for my old job, I had to watch every TV show that, second it came out so i'm uh-huh. i don't have to do that anymore so i just i like okay i'm gonna let you arrow episodes save up so i can just watch them at once <laughs> but but uh flash is awesome i mean flash is other than daredevil flash is my favorite superhero show and i think uh, some people have complained it started off slow but i thought it was i thought it's been great um and arrow i mean i hear good things i hear very good things but what has been going on in arrow yeah i don't mind spoilers though you know what? What has been your take on that? Um, I like both. Um, the Flash is creeping to where I, you know, when I had you on last time, I, I said Arrow. I like Arrow better than than Flash. Um, but Flash yeah. is slowly creeping up there. Um, it's Arrow is more darker than Flash. Now he's you know non spoiler, but but now he's the Green Arrow. So we finally get to that point. Um, but the flash has been getting better, more entertaining. Um, I, I'm not into the whole comic book scene like that, where I know they're the enemies and villains and stuff like that. So when I see these people, I'm like, oh, that's just a guy with the, you know, with the, with, with the frost gun or, 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 or whatnot. So I really don't know who these guys are until I see it. So it's still entertaining. I think daredevil when it's compared to Flash and Arrow, it's um, it's it, it's so different, Aaron. It just I, now I wish Arrow and Flash would be more on Netflix or or a cable TV show than just like Daredevil is. So, um, I like I like what I seen the first two weeks. Um, week three is coming up next week, so it's gonna be you know entertaining. They both have dropped little innuendos on each other's show so far. So like uh, Arrow was shown on the Flash, and Flash was um, shown on Arrow so far. So I don't want to get too much. I know you haven't seen it, but um, I know when you start seeing it, you're gonna enjoy it. And maybe down the road, you start seeing Arrow. It's better than Flash, but I know everybody has their own opinion and what they like and don't like, but they're both great shows. My my issue with you, Aaron, is that you haven't got into Gotham yet. I have no idea why. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen one episode. You see Daredevil, you see Flash and Arrow, but Gotham's been on the same exact time. How in the world have you not gotten into Gotham? Maybe the next time I'm on the podcast, I'll have binged the whole thing, you know? <laughs> but... 
You know what? I, you are right. I, I really should be watching Gotham because the people that, you know, I feel like it has a smaller audience in the sense that I know a lot more people that watch Arrow and Flash and Daredevil. But of those that do watch Gotham, they're pretty positive about it, kind of like you. I mean, people do say it's a good show. And I like, uh, I like the pilot, which I saw. So I don't, I, yeah, I don't know what my problem is. I agree with you. <laughs> you're, you're correct. I mean, um, from what I've been able to to see on the social media stuff and stuff and and stuff like that, it's I don't know if people have uh, an issue or a problem where it starts off very early in, in in the timeline of Bruce Wayne and it's really more focused on on Jim Gordon and him trying to you know save the city and like Flash is established, Arrow established, Daredevil is established, and Bruce Wayne is still. 13, 14 years old, and there's no Batman in sight, but you, but you know that, you know, Penguin is around, you know, you know, Harvey Dent is around, you know, Edward Nygma's uh, around, so maybe people are taking their time with Gotham. I have no idea who yeah. watches what more, but if you see Daredevil, Flash, and Arrow, their superhero is already there established, and Gotham doesn't have their superhero established yet, so maybe that's why you know, you haven't seen it, or some people are, like, waiting to say, you know what, when Batman comes around, that's when I'm going to start seeing it. Do you, do you think that eventually Batman will show up? Like, will they do a time jump some season where suddenly he's, you know, Bruce Wayne is older, maybe? Um, I, me as a fan, I, I would want to see a time jump, but I think that, I think the time jump has to make sense. You can't just have Bruce Wayne, 15 years old, in, in season two, and then all of a sudden he's 30 in season three. Yeah. Like, how does that make sense? And, you know, at some point, they're going to have to fast forward a bit because, you know, not trying to say they're trying to catch up to everybody else, but um, the storyline, we're, we're still very early, you know, and he just found the Batcave, and not trying to, you know, spoil it for you, but he just... He's in that time frame right now, and everybody's still young, Catwoman and Poison Ivy. They're all little kids right now, but it remains to be seen in what direction they go. Um, you know, not wait two, three more years to, to finally have, you know, a Batman in training for the show, but hopefully in due time that they start speeding things up. Yeah, that's interesting that he found the Batcave, though. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you wouldn't know it because you haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but I hear stuff on Twitter. You know, I heard, I've heard some stuff. <laughs> some wow. points, I know, but <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> the the Legends of Tomorrow that that's supposed to be out Ooh. in 2016. Uh, even Supergirl on CBS is you know coming soon, about two weeks. Um, even Fox is in some sort of development to bring an X-Men series back for the first time on the network since the late 1990s. Are we living yeah. in in the era of superhero TV series where it's becoming the norm or the latest cool hip thing to have or to watch on TV? Absolutely. I mean, we already are in the, the golden age of superhero movies, and then now TV is catching up with that. It's, it's crazy just how much entertainment and TV, uh, superhero entertainment we're going to have. Uh, and, you know, not only that, there's more Netflix shows to come. And so it's, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to watch all, keep up with them, honestly. I mean, I'm going to try. 
but obviously I, I've already kind of failed on uh, Gotham and Agents of Shield. But uh, I'm going to give superhero or a Supergirl a shot. Definitely watching Legends of Tomorrow, and I'll be pretty curious about these X Men shows. I have no idea if they'll be any good, but uh, worth 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 checking out. I think. I mean, I love the X Men. Yeah, I you know I'm pretty sure we both remember when X Men was on Fox late '90s. Uh, I think it was Fox, oh, yeah. Fox Kids and. Everybody and their mother was watching that with, along with, you know, Spider-Man and even before that, Batman, the animated series. Yeah. So it kind of brings, you know, people of our age and our generation back to our childhood and, and stuff like that. Now, I don't know if it's going to be like an animated or an actual live, you know, live show like, you know, flashes and stuff like that. So but it remains to be seen of what direction they go. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of X-Men. So. If you can add that to the other shows, I'm going to have to be watching um, on a weekly basis, and definitely I'll be tuning in to that. We are joined by Aaron Couch, the editor at People Magazine. He's on Twitter at Aaron Couch. Now, I know you're a big fan of, you know, anniversaries, whether it comes to a movie or TV show. Um, So hopefully I beat you on this one. Um, (laughs) Last month... Um, made 23 years um, since Batman the Animated Series aired on Fox. So now I'm not trying to show our ages, but we knew <laughs> exactly when it happened um, back in back in 92. But it's one of my favorite cartoon animated TV shows of all time. I wanted to get your input on the legacy and the impact that Batman the Animated Series had on the industry. Yeah, I mean, because, correct me if I'm wrong, that was before uh, X-Men and... and right, right. The other, yeah, so, I mean, that was really the first really good animated uh, superhero show, as far as I can really remember. I mean, I think it, it, it really elevated it. It was even... I think it was either nominated or it won an Emmy. I mean, it, that's, how, that's how well-regarded it was. And uh, it was... You know, I, I was just obsessed with it. You know, I didn't. I don't even think I really. I'm not sure if I knew really who Batman was. I didn't really watch the movies at that time. Uh, I was a little too young, but that that cartoon was amazing. And I think that is the first time I remember uh, really liking a superhero. I mean, I, I was just the right age where I was finally aware of you know really who superheroes were. I think that I think that nowadays kids much younger know about superheroes, but it wasn't quite the case in the 90s, in the early 90s. Um, but then you had cartoons like this and X-Men and, and Spider-Man, and that kind of changed everything, I think. Yeah, I, you know, just like you, I was obsessed with it. I think, you know, I've seen every episode. I don't remember majority of it. it you know, I was on, I was on like YouTube and Amazon or something like a month ago, and I'm like, how much does buying a DVD set cost? And I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, wow. we're in an age where you can pay per episode and stuff like that, but I'm like, nah, I, for me, I got to have the whole thing here in my house just to, A, collect it, B, to watch it whenever I have free time. And because it does take you back to where, you know, your childhood and, and you growing up and stuff like that. And I know it's not how TV shows are made today, but it kind of gives you the sense that 
without shows like Batman animated series and, and X-Men and Spider-Man, then we don't have, <clears throat> we don't have the shows that we have today. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, a lot of people that was the, uh, entry point where that's why they like those kind of shows or they like superheroes. And so it, yeah, it's great. And it seems like that they had a lot of freedom to kind of, be creative and do what they wanted because it's really incredible how good those shows were. I mean, Batman, X-Men, Spider-Man are three, my three favorites. I think they're all phenomenal. Now, you know, when it comes to the conversation about the best Batman, um, I think, you know, Kevin Conroy, who is the man behind mm-hmm. the voice in Batman, the animated series, and in the, in the um, Arkham Knight games, could sometimes get overlooked because... When people hear Batman, they think of Michael Keaton and, and Christian Bale. Um, Kevin's Kevin Conroy's voice as Batman to me happens to be the best Batman voice ever, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's who I think of often. Um, that the voice is just great. I mean, that that really sounds like how I think both Batman and Bruce Wayne would sound more so than the movie guys. I think. And you know what's so funny? It's like um, when I when I play the Batman Arkham games, and I, you know I would hear the voice. I, I I wasn't paying too much too much mind to it, and then I started thinking like, you know, this guy sounds familiar, man. And <laughs> and then I just happened to be going on YouTube one time and try to watch an old episode of the the animated series or even the um, Mask of the Phantasm, and I'm like. You know, this guy might be the same guy <laughs> from back then, yeah. and I don't even know it. And I, I, I did research, and I'm like, I see the name Kevin Conroy, the man behind the Batman animated voice and and Arkham Knight. I'm like, oh wow, like I didn't know. I even me in my early 30s couldn't recognize the voice of the Batman I heard back in '92. It's cool that he gets to do it for decades. You know, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's just uh, it's great. Yeah, I, I wish that people don't, not saying they do all the time, but don't overlook him, man. I know we got Keaton and Bale and stuff like that, but as far as a voice, just like, um, you know, we could say Jack and Heath Ledger, but when it comes to a voice, Mark Hamill knocks the Joker out the park, and he sounds just oh, yeah. like how the Joker is supposed to sound. Yeah, yeah, I, I forget about Mark Hamill. He was, yeah, he really did it, and I didn't know until I was an adult that it was, Mark Hamill. Uh, that's how how good he was, I guess. Yeah, and I didn't know Mark Hamill was the the, the trickster in the Flash until I, I looked it up. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't know that until you know he came uh, he came back and there was kind of some news about him being the trickster in the Flash again, like he was in the '90s. But yeah, I, I had no idea he he was either. <laughs> Now, you know, DC Comics, they, they, they plan to make an animated movie about the comic book, The Killing Joke. Now, to be quite honest with you, I have never read The Killing Joke. Uh, I'm not sure if you have. And I, and I think they also said Mark Hamill would be back uh, portraying the voice of the Joker in that animated movie. But I've heard many great things about it. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I, I am sure to read it at some point soon. But... What is your take on DC making this animated movie on the Killing Joke and, and, and it also having an R rating to it? Yeah, it having an R rating is awesome. I mean, this is 
this is one that I read a long time ago, so I can't say that I remember it too well, but it's written by Alan Moore, who wrote Watchmen, mm-hmm. so that kind of gives you an idea, you know, it's in, within a, you know, it was a couple years after he wrote Watchmen, which is pretty, uh, so he was obviously in his prime, and uh, yeah, I just think, you know, I'm actually looking up the details to try to remember it, but it's basically kind of a, uh, looks like it's kind of a Joker origin story, so I think that uh, that's going to be pretty cool, and Having it be an R rating with Mark Hamill, I mean, at some run. But those an- their animated movies are generally really good and enjoyable. I don't watch every single one, but, you know, if it's that red box or something like that, and I can get it for a, a couple bucks, I always get it. So you would recommend me to watch, uh, to read The Killing Joke, like, ASAP, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. At least before, uh, before the movie comes out. So you still got a little time, but it's, uh, it's definitely worth a read. Now you mentioned I, I'm gonna, I'm going to have to go back and read it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you so mentioned I'm kind of Yeah, you mentioned yeah. Watchmen. I I never seen it. How was that? Oh yeah, so uh it, it's controversial. I like I like the movie Watchmen. Uh I mean, uh I like the comic book way more, but I enjoy the movie. A lot of people don't like the movie, though. So I really feel like it, for you it's a 50-50 choice. I can't necessarily any of my friends, I really can't predict if they like it or not. It's almost a coin toss, really. But uh, it's a great, it's a great story. I would definitely recommend reading it if you haven't read it, because that's that's really the way to experience it. We are chatting with Aaron Couch, editor at People Magazine. He's on Twitter at Aaron Couch. Now for a wave of Batman questions for you, Aaron. Um, we still got Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad to look forward to. In, mm-hmm. in in 2016, are you equally excited for both, or is it are you excited for more one more than the other? Uh, I'm way more excited for Batman versus Superman. Uh, I am excited for Super uh, for Suicide Squad, but I'm one of those people where I am just I'm really excited for Batman versus Batman v Superman. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm one of the probably a little bit in the minority where I enjoyed I liked Man of Steel quite a bit. A lot of people don't, and this just looks like it's whatever complaints people have about Man of Steel. I feel like it will kind of address. You know, people didn't like the the, the final fight where Superman allowed a lot of people to die. Well, this is where he has to pay his penance. And uh, Suicide Squad, I honestly the the trailer that came out at Comic Con made me a little bit less excited. I didn't, it didn't, I didn't like it as much as other people did. However, I'm still excited and I have a feeling I'm going to end up enjoying the movie. I think I'm more, I think just for the, the sole purpose of Jared Leto playing the Joker, um, is, is the main reason why I'm excited for Suicide Squad. Um, but definitely not more than Batman, Superman. Um, I, I don't know if most fans of Superman can feel like it's going to be pretty much dominated by the aura of Batman. And it's not really like your ideal Superman 2, Man of Steel 2, whatever it is you want to call it. So, you know, do you feel like just the aura of Batman can overshadow that this is really a Superman movie and not a Batman movie? Yeah, everybody, you know, the reports are that this is more of a Batman uh, movie. And uh, I think I'm okay with that. It's kind of like 
having Ant-Man and the Wasp versus Ant-Man 2. I mean, whatever is a better movie, I'm fine with. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't have to be a direct Man of Steel sequel. I'm sure we'll, st- we'll still get some, uh, we'll still get plenty of Superman in the future. We'll probably have, at some point, we'll probably have him Cavill in his own Superman movie, but we're going to be seeing him a ton in, in Justice League and all these other movies. So, uh, if this is more of a Batman story, that's, that's okay with me, I think. So now that we're only a couple of months away from that movie being released, what are your thoughts on Ben Affleck playing Batman then, and then your thoughts on him playing Batman today? Yeah, I, uh, I like most people, kind of thought it was funny. I, I'm, a, I'm an Affleck fan, so I think I liked it more than the average person. But now that I've actually seen him uh, in this latest trailer, you know, from Comic Con, I think he looks awesome as uh, he looks awesome as Batman and Bruce Wayne, and like kind of this tortured, you know, angry older Batman. I think it's I think it's really exciting, and I think that yeah, I don't know every everything I've heard just from like the reaction to people who you know studio execs and stuff who've seen the movie, they all think that he is really good and that it's going to do that he's going to do well or be popular as the character so uh i so basically I, long long way of saying i was pretty optimistic and now i'm super optimistic if you, compared to when he was announced to now mm. uh what, what what about you um i i always think about keaton and bale being the best batmans i i, I I hope that people don't feel like Ben Affleck has to automatically live up to them in the first movie. Um, because from what I read back then is that Batman is not going to be in the movie a whole lot, maybe in like 20, 25 minutes. So he's, he's not going to be in it the whole time. Like, like Superman. So if we can get Ben Affleck for 20 minutes in like a two, two and a half hour film, then we can't really put high expectations on him to try to beat a of uh, Michael Keaton or Christian Bale because those two are timeless classic people who portray Batman. But I, I feel like giving Ben Affleck a, a shot and an opportunity to see how he how he does. And you know, listen, we, we've had worse Batmans. We had George Clooney, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and you know Val exactly. Kilmer was okay, but we've had worse Batmans before. Oh, that's yeah, that's a great point. There's <laughs> there's no way. Exactly. No, you know what? I'm gonna give you a stat. I'm not. I'm not sure if you if you notice, but you know, in the whole preparation of you coming on, I wanted to get a few Batman, you know, old and new questions for you. So, when I was looking up about, you know, little facts about the first Batman back in back in 1989, um, the the original people considered um, for Batman before Michael Keaton was Alec Baldwin, Tom Hanks, and Bill Murray. They were considered for Batman um, before Keaton in, in 89. But uh, and, and then again, a lot of fans um, at that time were upset that, that, they chose, that they chose Keaton to portray Batman. So my, my thing is this. The same thing could happen to Ben Affleck where you could say, well, they should have picked this guy or that guy, but you went with Ben Affleck, and there's like an outcry, like, why why Ben Affleck? I don't think he'll be a great Batman. So the same thing happened to Michael Keaton in 89, and we all see, we all know how that turned out. So yeah. hopefully the same thing can happen to Ben Affleck. I think that's the thing about casting is uh, 
I try not to get too mad or react too much until I see it because people always are react, but you really can't tell until, you know, the movie comes out, right? Because most of these, most of the fan outcry goes away once you actually see the movie for a lot of these roles. So yeah, I think that's a great point. Now, I'm not sure why, maybe you know, um, I, I was always a fan of the Joker. He's my favorite villain in, in any of these comic book um, stories. Um, he, the Joker never had a real name in the comics. I, I, I don't know why. Maybe you, maybe you do. I'm not too sure. But in the first Batman, it said that his name was Jack Napier, but that was only created for the film. But it wasn't actually his real name. Do you have Do you have any idea why the Joker of all villains? possibly the greatest villain of all time does not even have a real name. I feel like that it's kind of like, I think that Christopher Nolan really tackled it, uh, tackled that question in a great way in The Dark Knight because, you know, in The Dark Knight, you don't really want to know his origin story, right? That makes him a lot cooler. So I think that that is probably the idea that, who is this guy? We don't know. That That's kind of an awesome, awesome thing. Now, they have... I think they have in the comics, and I'm not completely up on a lot of comics because um, they're, you know, years of them. But I think they have had a few Joker origin stories, but I don't think that they necessarily agree with one another. So I'm not sure if it actually is canon. Um, so I'm looking up at the, the Killing Joke right now, just on Wikipedia, and there actually is a picture of a guy who has a wife and a pregnant pregnant wife, and he is the guy that eventually becomes the Joker. So in The Killing Joke, you actually do get to see who he was beforehand. But not sure if they actually keep that, you know, in today's comics if that's considered canon or not. So, uh, yeah. I also read somewhere recently that when it when Ledger was portraying Joker in The Dark Knight, that there, there was like this underlying theme where in the Joker was more like the hero more than the villain. And, and, I mean, obviously, when you see it, you know Joker. You hear Joker. He's the villain. He's a bad guy. Batman's a good guy. But in the story and how it portrayed, it, some people feel like he was more like it, like a hero than a villain. I, I want to get your, your input on that. Yeah, I think so, in the sense that he's kind of the driving force of the movie, right? I think that's kind of what people are saying um, and that the movie could have been called The Joker. And I think that's probably true. I mean, to, because a lot of the movie is Batman reacting to The Joker. The Joker's the one doing a lot of the action. So, yeah, I think it really was kind of The Joker's movie. And it was, it was obviously, I think you and I both agree it's one of the best superhero movies ever. I mean, I, it's, to me, it's my favorite. Probably will never be tops, but we'll see. There's still a lot of years left. <laughs> I agree with you. Dark Knight is the greatest superhero movie ever. It is my favorite superhero movie ever. I know people want to throw in Avengers and whatever, but um, it's kind of tough. I know everybody has their own opinion, their own liking. Some people don't even like Batman because they feel like he's not a real superhero, no superpowers, and that's a whole, that's a whole different story. But um, yeah. when you compare the story, the darkness, and, and the actual you know directing of it, um, it's just not a lot of movies in the superhero genre um, as of now, 2015, that can compare to Dark Knight. 
Yeah, even, even after we've had this uh, resurgence of amazing, we've had so many good superhero movies. But yeah, I don't think, and a lot of them that I love, but yeah, and then none really are Dark Knight level to me. And that, you know, but they're good in other ways, like Guardians of the Galaxy, amazing, but obviously that's not even, that's mm. just not trying to be the same thing as the Dark Knight. So, you know, we've got variety, which is good. I got two little uh, quick tidbits uh, before I let you go when it comes to, you know, the the origin or the facts about the first Batman being made. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a very nostalgic kind of guy. And, and there's some information that, you know, me growing up don't know how these films get made or TV shows get made or how how they were able to acquire an, a particular actor for a, a certain film. So. While reading up on the, the, the 89 film for Batman, um, I came across of the the demands. Um, it, it'll sound funny, but the demands that Jack Nicholson had put in in order for him <laughs> to portray the Joker. So now before I tell you, but do you have any idea what demands Jack Nicholson made before he signed off for playing the Joker? Any idea? Any guess? No, no demand. All I know is that he made a ton of money because of his deal. With, his deal was so good, but I don't really know a lot of you know the, anything other than that, really. Well, that is one of it. He 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 received a large percentage of the box office gross, which between sixty and ninety million. That was <laughs> that was that was number one for him. But he wanted to have all of his scenes shot in three weeks, and. <laughs> Obviously, that did not happen. It, it went to 106 days into shooting the first Batman, and wow. um, he wanted to receive an annual salary of, uh, I mean, a salary of six million dollars to portray the Joker. <laughs> so six six million plus the box office. Six Wait. million percentage yeah. of the box office, and I want yeah. all my scenes shot in three weeks. <laughs> 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 you know that that that's funny because um, nowadays I think it's there's this term I think it's called I think it's called parachuting but I'm not sure where mm. you'll get somebody like Johnny Depp you can get him or Arnold for a day or two you know you pay him a million bucks they work a few days and then they're in your movie but that's how you get kind of these like really crappy performances where right. sure I've got Johnny Depp in my movie but. For some reason, the you know we had to shoot all this stuff in like a, a few days or a week, and it just doesn't work, you know. But it ends up being really cheap for people. Mm. So, so these actors they do like to work as little as possible if they can, and still get paid. I think. I mean, that's a sweet it's a sweet deal if you could do a Batman movie in three weeks. It just isn't going to happen, probably. Exactly. Now, but the other part was the fact that he he had this thing called a quote unquote off the clock agreement, where in the contract. It specified the number of hours he was entitled to have, um, like an off day, and from the time he left to the time that he reported for filming. So it was like somehow he could say, "Listen, I'm only going to film from like 10 a.m. to 3 o'clock, and that's it, and then I come back the following week." And it, you know, I guess at that, I guess at that time only Jack Dickerson could be able to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible so he had a really nice uh, <laughs> he had a nice life I guess uh, at that point now did you also know that um, even though Jack Nicholson was always the first choice by Bob Kane to play play Joker but 
he declined the role initially. Now, I don't know if you know that oh. first, but then the part was then offered to Robin Williams at the time, who did ah. who, who accepted the role while the film was still in pre-production, but then Jack then had a change of heart, and then they, they released Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, they fired Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, they, they did that. Wow, that, that's interesting. So Robin Williams would have been... Uh, the Joker. Much younger Joker. Yeah. He's probably like 20 years younger than Jack or 16. Mm. So um, yeah, he would have done a good job, I think. I mean, I think he was... Uh, I know he was also almost the Riddler in Batman Forever, so he had a few flirtations with this universe, and would have been would have been interesting to see him. I think in it. I mean, yeah, to know what what Robin would have done as Joker or even the Riddler, um, he probably would have did a great job. But then, you know, the way history has it, Jack Nicholson played phenomenal in that film, and I think for the most part. Yeah, incredible. Jim Carrey did a, a great job as the Riddler. Me, yeah. I, I, I always thought that if Nolan was going to do another film, um, even before Dark Knight Rises, where I thought like who was going to be the villains, and you know we always thought a Catwoman, a Penguin, a Riddler, two, uh, not Two Face, but um, Bane wasn't like my first initial thought to be in Dark Knight Rises. I'm like, I saw like this fake little trailer poster that that um Seymour Hoffman would be the penguin and then I saw Johnny Depp being the Riddler. And I'm like, wow, if Johnny Depp ever was to play the Riddler, then that'll be something very cool and and different. I think he would have done a, a phenomenal job at that. Oh, it would have been awesome. I mean, I remember those rumors. I I thought that, that would have been really cool. Uh yeah, he would have done great. Now one more tidbit before I let you go. Um obviously I told you who was considered to play Batman in 89, but do you have an idea who was considered outside of Robin Williams and Jack to portray Joker? Do you have any idea? Mm. Uh, no, I, I haven't heard this before. Well, you're going to hear it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Lithgow was considered. Ah, um, he's, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. David, David Bowie. Who is that? I'm not familiar. I think he was a singer, David oh. David Bowie. Oh, oh yeah, the singer. Yeah, yeah, right. And and James Woods were considered to be the Joker before oh. Robin and Jack. Oh. oh, my gosh. Okay, so those are those are some interesting uh, interesting choices. I would like to see uh, Lithgow do it. I would love to see him. He's a, he was a great villain in Dexter, so mm. he could have done it. I'm sure. Yeah. But I think we're all glad that Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson were selected, and nobody else. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they, did so, they did so great. They were they were awesome, and mm. that's a really special movie, you know. Uh, and I can't imagine it any other way, really. Mm. Before I, I truly let you go, is there anything you are currently working on? Uh, I know you did uh, like the um, the oral history of Mortal Kombat a few months ago. Are you working on anything new? Um, to let the people who are going to hear this podcast later um, just kind of know what you're doing up, know what you're currently working on now. Yeah, you know, um, I, at my new job, I don't really have the geek-centric beat anymore, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have, uh, so I'm just kind of sitting back and actually catching up on uh, some comics. I've got uh, this Marvel Unlimited app where you can 
you know, reading years worth of comics. So I'm kind of doing that, but as far as work, no, uh, no oral histories or, or anniversary things in the works right now, but I'll definitely, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I'll keep you posted. It's uh, at Aaron Couch. He is Aaron Couch, the editor at People Magazine. He's on Twitter at Aaron Couch. Aaron, as always, a great pleasure having you on the podcast, talking some superhero stuff. I know we'll do it soon down the road, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, talk about it next time, too, see what, see what new developments we have. There's always a lot, it seems like. So thanks, Randy.